so it's tough right now because the series is still going on. It's 2-2. Um, but let's get right into it. So would you care to guess how many players in NBA history have scored 40 or more points in a finals game on the road that their team won? How many players have done it? 40 points on the road that their team won. Yeah, in the finals. Can this many, be one of those things where I talk it out? You're not going to remember all these. Okay. I'm just is it more than, you. is it like, is it like 10? It is 10. Oh, okay. It's 10. All right. It, it, it so, is. T- and it's wanna, a finals game. It's a finals game. Yeah. You want to guess the 10? Well, so, Steph is one. Well, Steph also, so there's nine more. Yep. Um, nobody did it in 2021. Nobody did it in 2020. 2020. Uh, nobody did it in 2019. You're good. We're going to be here for a long time. If I do it that way. Okay. Because I don't think uh, LeBron did it. And no, LeBron didn't do it in any of the four games. Did Durant do it? I'll make it. I'll make it easy for you. Like it's a list of, uh, with the exception of like one guy who is, I think it's top 25 player ever. These are all very obvious. So let me get the obvious ones. So, um, you said one Durant, Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant are off are on this list. LeBron James, I'm All three are on. Yes, has done this. I'm trying Durant, to think game. I, I'm going to go through the games, but Durant has done it. James is Dar- uh, LeBron has done it. Game Michael five, Jordan 20, has done it. Game five, 2016 is LeBron's game. Okay, and um, that someone else did it in that. Kyrie game. Irving. Okay, good point. All right. Okay, so he is. He is. I would say, actually, not arguably, he is the worst player on this list. Uh, so easily the worst player on this list because everybody I'll, else is in the top 75 of all time. Did Wilt do it? No. So you named Curry, Durant, Irving, LeBron, Michael Jordan. Just go do uh, the list. Yeah, I'm sure they're um, all obvious. But go ahead. There actually is one other one that you should remember because it stands out. I'll give you a hint. It was game one and it was the only game that this player's. Team oh, Allen won. Iverson. Yes. OK. OK. So you, that, that's six. The other four. Magic Johnson. John Havlicek. Uh, duh, the game six in 1980. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Havlicek. There you go. Havlicek. And then the first one, two, three, four, five times it was done. It was done by a pair of Laker teammates, Jerry West and Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor. Uh, okay. And one of, so I want to go back in receding order and tell you just why this Curry game, I think, is perhaps even more special than we realize. So the Durant game. Uh, where he put up 43 points. That was in Cleveland when mm-hmm. Golden State was up 2-0 in that series. There was drama in the game. I get it. There was, I mean, it was 2018. Look n- no further than the points in the paint in that game. You rem- I'm sure you remember just the Cavs had no idea how to switch. So every time they would like try to cover a pick and pop, like JaVale McGee or Kavon Looney or whoever the center was would just be wide open for a dunk. The amount of yes. open layups that the Warriors had. And that was That's, the game Steph went one of 10 from three too. So they were able to survive all of that. Your memory is incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the series that is essentially ended after game one mm-hmm. um, with, with JR. So before that was the Irving and LeBron doing it in the same game. Incredible performance. Amazing performances with the Cavs down 3-1. You know, obviously they win that game and they win the next two after that. Here's the thing, though. They had each other doing what they were doing 
Steph Curry had 43 the other night. The next leading scorer for the Warriors had 17 points, right? Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins, yeah. That's a 25. I mean, if you go by like the percentage difference between like Wiggins and Curry, it's insane. That's why I'm not saying that like Curry's was like more or less impressive than Irving and, and LeBron, but like that has to be taken into consideration. Okay. So before that, you had the Iverson game, which was game one. Very impressive, but it was, again, it was game one. It's like it, the pressure builds with each ascending game. And for me, if the Warriors lose this game, like, yes, they could have come back, I guess, from 3-1 down to win it. But, you know, it doesn't happen very often. It also went into overtime. So AI has the benefit yeah, of the extra, extra five minutes. Extra five minutes. Not that, like, you take away I mean, from it. I mean, 48. So. But I'm saying, like, he, I'm not, I'm not remember knock on my memory. I don't remember the um the moment of that game of like did he have 40 going into overtime? What I do remember mostly about that game is it's the only game the Lakers lost that postseason. Yes. Um exactly. That, so that, that's that's probably the most one uh, I know I understand where you're going with this. It's one of the more impressive games throughout uh, this this collection of, of it was incredibly impressive about but I, if i recall correctly even after that game i don't think people were jumping up and down saying oh sixers no. they could win no um the t- you, three you would have needed to do that and then some and I, like I, to try and beat them in regulation you know exactly and he and he did not do that and then some um the three before that were all jordan games um one was obviously in 98 when he beat the bulls mm-hmm. that was in game six the jazz beat the jazz the jazz excuse me yeah um but it was again game six bulls lose that game you get to play another one before that it was 42 that he put up um at phoenix game in 1990 what game six this was game two. Game two. So Barkley so, also went off that game. Yeah. So um, that game, Jordan had 42. Horace Grant had 24. Scottie Pippen had 15. And Barkley also had 42 in that game in a loss. That was the Bulls. If ever, I mean, look, it's the finals. It's never house money. But like they had already won game one in Phoenix. They were kind of playing with house money. So again, not to diminish freaking Michael Jordan scoring 42 points in the finals. It's a big deal. but. I don't think it was the same type of pressure as what Steph uh, was under, especially since, as we just said, Steph's supporting cast, not, not quite the same. And then the Jordan performance before that was the previous year in Portland. Um, and that was with the Bulls uh, tied to two. And then they went on to win that series in six games. So again, that series was tied. Mm-hmm. 1980, they need to go back 12 years. Magic Johnson, 1980, Lakers were up. 3-2 in the series. It was the closeout game. Again, key point, they were up in the series. Before that, you have to go back another 12 years to John Havlicek. This was, again, another closeout game with the Celtics up 3-2. Um, Havlicek, the, the Celtics won um, by 15 points in LA. Havlicek scored 40. Again, they were up in the series. And then before that, you have to go back to 66, 63, 62, 62 for the Baylor and West um, games. Here's the point. When we're going back to the 60s to find games that are like truly comparable and like, yes, Elgin Baylor in 1966, his, the Lakers were uh, were tied and uh, or sorry, we're down 3-1. Like 
that kind of kept them in the series. You know, there's obviously Elgin Baylor's 61 point game in the finals. Pretty impressive. This is up there in the Pantheon. It's way up there. And the thing all of them have in common outside from the outside from the, the LeBron Kyrie game is that this of all the rest of them really flipped the series. Like, I don't know how you feel, but I think the series is over if they lose game. I think the series is over if they lost that game. So it legitimately saved their season and he did it. I mean, as, as we went through the list, he really did it by himself. You know, I, well, this leads me to, uh, I was going to save this for later, but I'll just bring it up now. And I don't think we need to talk about it for long. Cause again, we're not there yet, but like, when's the last team, like, let's say the Warriors win this. What was the last supporting? I feel bad calling like Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson supporting cast, but like, when's the last supporting cast that was this? I don't know. Iffy? Like, who's the second best player for the Warriors in the series? It's Wiggins. It's probably at this point, it's Wiggins. Yeah. It's Wiggins, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if they could win the series with Andrew Wiggins being the second best player, but again, let's say that they did. You have to go at least back to the Mavs, right? In 2000. In 2011, yeah, probably, yeah. And I mean, I, the the Spurs had like a collection that of, was. But that's the thing. There, there was. That's the, the opposite of this. Yeah, like they were so deep in their rotation that it was like, regardless of whether they don't have the best or second best player in the series, they still have like three through eight. So it's well, it's it's different, you know. I'll well, even, that's, that's disrespectful to Bosch. It's probably four through eight. I'll even shout again. I listen. I was listening to all kinds of stuff about this game. I was listening to Simmons mm-hmm. um, talk about this with um, with Waz and I think Rob, Rob uh, Mahoney. Yeah, yeah, Rob Mahoney. You know, after Steph, how many of like the next best players in the series do the Celtics have? It's definitely Tatum and Brown. I think you could probably argue Smart. I'm at the point where I owe Jeremy an apology because I argued, and this is where I got to just be uh, transparent with this. I've been so confused by this Boston team throughout the playoffs. Because they are very confusing. I went into the playoffs thinking they could win it all. Then watch them sweep Brooklyn, which I thought they'd at least win the series, but didn't think they'd sweep. It's like, oh, maybe maybe they like this might be easy and how they win it all. Then watching them struggle to defend home court, but then have these Jekyll and Hyde moments throughout the rest of the next two rounds. And I look at the first I looked at the first two games we were doing our playback. And you said, like, Boston's clearly the better team. And Jeremy's like, after Steph, the next, like, three guys. Like, I'd definitely take Marcus Smart over Draymond. And I, like, vigorously uh, argued that, like, no, Draymond's a generational defender. And I'm just, like... He is, but... He is, but, like, even his generational defense doesn't matter if you're a negative on offense. And it's, it's gotten to the point where I'm so confused by this series that... Like the first two games, the Celtics really had one great quarter and it's how they got the split. And then they looked like they were the better team in the fourth quarter of game three. And it's how they took the advantage. And then yesterday, they just kind of disappeared. All it took was subbing out Draymond, which is, you know, hats off to Steve Kerr. And it's why I agree with you now. Yeah, the Celtics are the better team. And I'd probably go smart ahead of the next Warrior. Do you... When you put a war, a nice that's the thing, Rob Williams, and like he's having a very nice series. I think probably yeah. I, I go Wiggins ahead of Williams, but I'm gonna I'm gonna save my. I have a response to what you just said about okay 
why the Celtics lost that game. And you want to talk about confusing um, a, a team often takes its, its notes from its best player. Uh, okay. We're yeah. going to talk about Tatum in a bit. Um, one more note on Steph here. So, you know, I'm a big efficiency guy. Um, efficiency has changed a lot over the years. Like it's unfair to point to Steph's efficiency and be like, Oh, that means he is having this much better finals than like, you know, I don't, I don't know what Elgin Baylor's and Jerry West's efficiency was back. Actually, I do know I'm looking at it. Like it's not great. Um, back in those, back in those early series, it doesn't matter. It's a different, yeah. it's a different sport now. So the highest in terms of best player on a finals team, like unequivocally best player on a finals team, best efficiency that I could find was LeBron in 2020 mm-hmm. in the final. I'm talking strictly finals, 659 effective field goal percentage, which is so absurd. And I think it deserves an asterisk. Not saying the championship deserves an asterisk, <laughs> but that is the same bubble playoffs in which we saw like Donovan Mitchell and Jamal uh-huh. Murray take turns putting up 50 point games. 38% from three Anthony Davis. That's really all you have to say. I, I, okay. So yeah. you're with me. Yeah. So like all the respect to LeBron. Yeah. I don't, I don't actually think the bubble we've talked about this, the course field effect. When I talk yeah. about the Warriors, like you go to the Warriors and all of a sudden your numbers are inflated. The bubble is like if everybody just played a tournament at course field, you know, or a home run derby at course field with aluminum bats. Like it was just the purest <laughs> form of basketball. And, and as a result, it made it harder because you couldn't count. Oh, this guy's going to have an off night. Nobody had an off night. And, and you know, it stands out because LeBron's finals performance there efficiency wise was like so much better than the next best guy in finals history, who I have it as Kevin Durant in 2017, um, 639 effective field goal percentage in those finals. As of right now, Curry sitting third through four games. He's at 633. After him, you go to Giannis last year, six, uh, 630. Actually, sorry. After him, you go to Shaq in 2004. Now people forget that team because they got annihilated by the, the Pistons. But Shaq was at 631. That's that year. Giannis 630 um, last year. And then you got go LeBron 2017, 615, and then Shaq in 2000. Shaquille O'Neal was really good. Um, 611. Those are your above 60% effective field goal percentage guys in finals history. Like, again, best guy on the team. Steph's right there. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I just, I don't know what we do with this at this point. What we do is, and I'm, I'm really glad it's, it's happening. Although I don't, I don't think you've been disrespectful, but I know I, I know the Steph heads think that if it's anything other than he's the greatest ever, um, it is disrespect. But I'm glad that he's getting his flowers for a postseason because we really haven't done it. The Andre Iguodala talk and that, that 2015 finals MVP. Shout out to, to a frenemy of the pod, Howard Beck who I know you and I like, but nobody in the Knicks world like. Oh. He did an article for Sports Illustrated yesterday. I think it dropped. I was reading it today. It might have been yesterday, but he went back and interviewed the other 10 voters of the finals MVP and okay. asked them, like, in hindsight, you know, would you have done differently? And the other three, because he voted for LeBron, and okay. the other three were like, no, like it would have been LeBron. Shout out to your boy, Zach Lowe, who said, if I, if I had to pick a warrior, I would have picked Steph. But yes. I thought LeBron was the most deserving of a finals MVP on a losing team since Jerry West, which I think was fair. It was more fair than a Godala. 
And all seven said all of these qualifiers of like the Warriors were dead. They inserted Iguodala into the starting lineup. LeBron shot 39% from three in those final three games. He had 40 points in game four, so game six, uh, game five. Eventually I got the game right. Um, while uh, so I don't know, like, yes, he made he made Iguodala made LeBron work for it, but I, I wasn't exactly like, oh, he shut LeBron down over those final three games. I think LeBron, after having to carry the load, it showed that Superman bleeds and actually ran out of gas in those six games. Um, the point being part of Steph's legacy, and this is what the last question of that article was, is his unselfishness that if yes. the strategy was. We're going to take advantage of your double teams. And by creating those those advantages, we're going to play four on three against everybody else because they're doubling Steph. Andre Iguodala is open for threes, which he scored 25 points in the clinching game because Steph is being doubled. Harrison Barnes is open. Clay Thompson is open. And at that point, Draymond Green is open because of all of these different ways that Steph tilts the balance. It's why the Warriors have been so successful. He demands such an attention and so much gravity that sometimes it doesn't show up in a box score. And sometimes people think, oh, he's never won a finals MVP. He's never been great. Meanwhile, there's a Cavs assistant in that article that's quoted being like, we were shocked that Iguodala won because our entire game plan on defense was how to stop Steph Curry. As is every fucking team's game plan which is what made the Warriors so unfair when they got Durant because it's like because we're creating these advantages Kevin Durant now gets to go play one-on-one for the rest of the game because Steph is demanding all of these uh this attention and it's why I'm really glad that he's gonna get and look we'll see how the next two games I was about to say we have to see how I'm really glad he's getting his flowers that he's gotten these last this whole weekend these last three days to just celebrate what has always been there and now is actually being realized by people. This is one of the greatest advantage creators that we've ever seen. 